Well, as we said, we're beginning this time of 21 days of prayer. The three of our staff taught last week, uh, Evan Hooksma here in Spring Lake, Dave Boomgard in Coopersville, and uh, I think Patrick taught out in Muskegon and kind of introduced to you the idea of prayer and why it's to be valued. And so if you miss that, I invite you to go back and watch it. The guys did a great job of setting that up and now we're entering into this season. And so as we do this, uh, I'm just curious, This, uh, how many of you have seen the new Star Wars movie? Show of hands, good. Good, lots of you. The rest of you, what's the matter? <laughs> just kidding. Uh, it's funny, uh, I've had a tradition with my, my sons uh, not because my daughter wasn't invited, she just doesn't like Star Wars, but um, that we have gone when the kids were little, that was 99, that was when those movies, the second tier came out. So we did that, and now in this last tier, we've always gone opening night, though one of my children was in California, so we actually waited till he got back in deference to him, at the dismay of a few others. Uh, but I, my sons had to say to me, hey dad, you may not read a spoiler about this, because I like to read spoilers. I do not like to not know what's gonna happen in a movie. Is anyone else like that where you just don't wanna know so that you can experience the movie better when you know how it ends? Anyone? Not that many of you. You're, I'm, am I getting in an argument right here? It looks like I've caused a problem. <laughs> that was interesting, wow. I did, I've never had that happen before. <laughs> Let's just take five here and I'll go. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's an interesting piece. I, I think for me, uh, Knowing where things go can help you understand the path and what it means. And I tell you that because as we open the scriptures, as we look at prayer today specifically, we're going to look at one of Paul's many interactions where he shares with the church, this is a church in Colossae, what matters and why it does. But we're going to look at the end of this excerpt because I want you to see where it finishes and then we'll go back and see maybe differently why he says what he says leading up to it. So we're beginning at the end, if you will. Maybe it's just for me, the rest of you could be mad, but that's where we're going. So at the end of this interaction he first has in Colossians 1, he says this about Jesus. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. This is closing for all sorts of other things that he said. This is kind of the picture of what he wants to give us as followers of Jesus, of what this life is like and what it actually means. Now, this is profound. He tells us there's, we were in a dominion of darkness and he's bringing us out into a kingdom of his son. Actually describes it as light in other areas. This word brought us out, these words together, actually give an image if you were a Jewish person, if you had grown up in Israel's history, that would have meant something different. And it actually takes this whole excerpt of what he said and gives kind of handles to it in meaning. There are two times in Israel's life, two major stories in the life of Israel that are really central to what we call the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. The first is their time in Egypt. They're in bondage to an unfair, tyrannical leader for four centuries. And God initiates through the sacrifice of a lamb, this coming out of Egypt, this bringing them out of this darkness and dominion to a new place of freedom and light. Waters are parted, all sorts of beautiful things happen and they move from slavery to freedom, from death to life, from this mess to something new. That is a huge picture and what's happening is Paul is hearkening to that. Now there's a second picture in scripture the same way because after Israel becomes their own nation, after all these things are given to them, they begin of their own accord to have it dismay and disassemble through what we know is their sin 
and their own problems, kind of their own destructiveness. And it leads the whole nation to mess up. And ultimately, they are pulled out of their nation and taken to another one and brought into another dominion of darkness in exile. And the whole coming of Messiah, what they knew was to bring them out of exile and into a new kingdom, a new way. And in fact, Paul is giving clarity on what this means. We speak of this regularly in the church. He says we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's the idea that just like this Passover lamb died and the blood was put on the doorpost so that death would pass over in the same way Jesus dies so that our sins are passed over. And God moves us from darkness to light. Now, the reason I want us to see this and the reason we're starting here at the end is because I think we tend to diminish the meaning of all of this. We tend not to think of Christianity as a battleground or that we're battling a kingdom battle because it's unseen. We tend to think of it as we live in peacetime. And it's a reasonable, nice thing we think about. It makes sense. It makes life better. It's a good thing to add on to. But that's really not the right image at all. It's much less than God intends for us. It's interesting, I don't know how much you are students of history. There's a kind of a theological process or way of thinking called deism. And it, it's rooted in the, uh, particularly as we look at the enlightenment period. If you go all before the enlightenment, life centered around revelation and mystery and wonder. We get to the enlightenment and, and reasonable people begin to decide that reason should rule, that if we can make sense of it and we can think about it, that's what ultimately matters most. And so we put away wonder and reason and revelation. And deism flows out of that, which is the idea that God, while he created the earth, is disengaged and disinterested. He's not really involved in it. Now that's totally contradictory to what Paul's saying. That's what I want you to see. We settle for God to be reasonable and out here and not realize there's something beautiful going on and powerful going on that we're a part of and invited to be. He describes the life of a follower of Jesus as one that's moving out of a dominion of darkness into a kingdom of light. There's a battle going on. And in case you don't know it, we're hardwired to understand this. L let me go back just a minute to, to Star Wars. You realize it's one of the most popular series in history, right? Do you know why we love it so much? Because in it, there is a battle between evil and good, darkness and light. And God, it is interwoven within us that we understand that's true and that's real. But somehow we'd rather watch it than live it. And make no mistake, we wanna live it. It was funny, when I was at this movie with my, with my kids, I was remembering back, the first three came out when I was growing up. So you know what I got? I got what every young boy wanted as a weapon. Anybody know what it is from Star Wars? The lightsaber, that's right, exactly right. And I wielded that thing and destroyed and beat up anybody around me I could. Now when I had my boys, guess what they wanted when we started watching these movies? A lightsaber, and as we're sitting in the movie, I'm remembering all the times I had to yell at them for pummeling each other after the movies because that's what they would do. So I got home after the movie and I now have grandchildren. And guess what my little grandchildren have? They have lightsabers. And guess what they do? They pummel one another with the lightsabers. And I realized mission accomplished. I now have three generations of pummeling boys with lightsabers. And it's, it's fun and it's funny, but in its entirety, it misses out on what I want to pass down to them. 
Because God is inviting us into a real life journey of battle that is true and it has a win and it's powerful. You know our story is much more than comfort and ease and familiarity and life going well. Jesus has made us in a sense as his own Jedi. And I wanna take you back to see how Paul unfolds this because as you see what he says before, it makes sense as he's speaking about this incredible battle that's going on. So let me take you back to the beginning of the chapter. He's done this introduction of who these people are that are following Jesus in Colossae and then he responds. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. We have not stopped praying for you. By the way, Paul is telling us what our Jedi weapon is right here. And I don't think we even realize it. What he's saying very simply is, our greatest power in our greatest battle is on our knees. I I wanna say it again. Our greatest power in our greatest battles are on our knees. Paul is beginning to give us a picture of this. And, And let's be honest, wouldn't you be happy to know that your leaders never stop praying for you? Would it be nice to know that I'm doing that for you? Are you hoping that's the case, that I'm doing that for you? Maybe even some of you are reading this going, that's a great passage. I'm so glad you're praying for me. We pay you to do that. Keep praying. So let me just challenge it this way. What if my prayer life looked like yours? Would you be happy with the level of prayer that I'm bringing to the body of Christ? And I wanna challenge it only because as I talk to a lot of people and as I deal with my own Christian journey, I discover that we tend to be people who pray in the car when we have a minute or two, we pray before a meal, and then if we have a crisis, we might pray more. But the idea of really devoting ourselves to seeking God, to looking at this great power that we have and even discovering how to use it. Because make no mistake, just like a Jedi needs training, a Christian needs training. We have to grow in how we wield the power for the battle of prayer. And I wanna challenge and invite us that maybe in these 21 days, we would take some step forward to consider, is there more you're calling me to, God? And this has been profound for me, especially in the fall. I got to the fall and I don't know if it's getting older. I don't know if it's coming to the end of what I'm capable of, but I've realized more and more how desperately I need God to do things that I cannot do. And it's beginning to invite me to go, I need to be on my knees for you. And I wanna invite us as we move into these 21 days to just consider this. I want you to picture yourself as God's Jedi every one of you. It's not a select few. And that God wants to train you not to wield a lightsaber, but he's going to give you something so powerful for every battle as you get on your knees. Now, I'm very aware that just saying you should pray more can be overwhelming. How am I to do that? What's that look like? I mean, I I can't focus on anything for more than five minutes. Is it something I can do on my phone? Is it something someone else can do? Can I watch a video about how to do it? We have all sorts of questions. And so we're gonna start just by looking at what Paul prays because I think it alone offers something. 
but then we're gonna give you some guidance and some things we're gonna do over these 21 days that I hope will engage you differently. But I want you to have a sense that I am Obi-Wan and you're Luke. And I'm saying to you, man, there's something great God wants to do in and through you. There is a battle out there between good and evil. There is darkness and this dimension of struggle that God wants to bring people out of and you are to be trained in how to do it. And the great power will not be in front of everyone else. It'll be on your knees. So with that in mind, let's look at what Paul prays and just consider it as a recipient and then think about what it would be like if this was prayed over you and what it might be like if you began to pray this for others. So we continue. I love this, what he says. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. I love this beginning of the prayer because one of the things Paul's making clear is you and I cannot do this on our own. You realize that. Some of you are very high functioning and you really have high capacity and it's wonderful But until you come to the end of that and realize that you need God every step of the way, that will just be you and your own strength. Many of you don't feel like you have the strength or the discipline and great. Because man, we're gonna start praying that God moves in a way to change you that you can't do on your own. And can you imagine, Paul, what he's saying we pray is that the spirit, literally the spirit of God will keep revealing more deeply who God is to you. Knowledge, it doesn't mean head knowledge, by the way, like God will give you cognitive information. It means understanding, it's knowing him, not knowing about him. Now, come on, does that not sound like a great thing to start praying for each other? Let let me give it to you this way. Have you ever, I don't want you to answer this, but I'm just gonna ask it. Have you ever come to a service and thought that message was just, eh, didn't really do much for me? Just think about it, don't answer it. I'm not trying to get any, I don't need that much feedback this morning. I'm a little bit frail. <laughs> oh yeah, that happens every week. What are you talking about? What do you think would happen if you started praying that God would give me increased knowledge or, we, or our leaders? Do you think the elevation of what happened might go up? Do you think that you will change because you just decided to one week or that you need the spirit of God to reveal things when we open the scriptures together? That's what I pray for you. Because I make no mistake, I'm not going to convince you. I'm not going to convince you today. But man, if revelation hits and the knowledge of who God is hit, somewhere in your soul you go, God did make me for more. Man, I can change the world by just getting on my knees. I had no idea. I'm a Jedi for Jesus. I like that. I should make a sticker of that. I never thought of it before. Jedi for Jesus. Sounds a little scary, but I want you to see how it keeps going and what he says from here. Because I would tell you everything he gives, I put it in bullet points, but it just is written narratively. He prays that we'll bear fruit in every good work. What might happen if we began to pray for each other that we would bear fruit in every good work? What do you think might happen in your workplace? And I'm not just talking about your productivity at work. What might happen in your relationships at work? What might happen for those of you who are students in school and in those friendships? What might happen in your neighborhood? As you're praying for others to bear fruit in every good work, do you think the world would begin to change as they saw what God was doing in your lives? You bet. Do you think we should be praying for that for each other? I just wonder for 21 days if we prayed that, what might happen? It is so weird. I went to work today and I can't believe something happened and God moved. Isn't it great that someone got on their knees and wielded the power that God had for you and prayed for you along the way? Listen, now it continues. I want you to pray that you'll grow in the knowledge of God. We spoke about that already. It's one of my favorite things that I think about with who God is. 
See, I don't think we just get to eternity and we know everything about him. I think eternity will be an ongoing, never-ending discovery of who he is. You realize how awesome that is? I just learned this awesome thing about God. I just experienced his love in a new way. I just found out we are praying that that will increase all through our lives. If you think you fully understand who God is, you are missing out because there's so much more to know. What a great thing to pray that we'd continue to grow and learn. I pray that you'll be strengthened with all power according, according to his glorious might. Paul is praying for the same power that Jesus was raised from the dead by. He's praying for the same power that Jesus healed the sick by. He's praying for the same power that Jesus revealed who he was to people who were blinded. He's praying for the same power that took people who were broken and brought wholeness to them. And we could go on and on and on. Don't you think it would be awesome if we started just praying for God's power in each other's lives? Come on, this is awesome. You go ahead and stay quiet, but I'm gonna get noisy. Because I'm telling you, this is pretty amazing. It, it's something we should be rattled by. At least in my life, I think I settle for praying for things I think can happen. And I don't actually ask God to do things that only he could do. I mean, wouldn't it be great for someone that you know that others see as hopeless to start praying for God's power in their lives? Wouldn't it be great for somebody to pray that for you where you feel hopeless? Why shouldn't we be praying for this? What I love is where he goes from here because I think when we pray for power, I think we tend to do it so that things go well for us. And what he prays next is a bit con confounding. So that you may have great endurance and patience. You know why he prays that? Because the Christian life is a battle. You realize we are in a battle. I know we think it's peacetime and it is in the world. It's not peacetime as a follower of Jesus because there are forces of darkness and forces of good. And God wants us to break through this. In fact, over these three weeks, we're gonna look this week, we're kind of taking a broader look. Next week, we're gonna look very particularly at what Paul invites us to put on, what it means to be in this battle. And the last week, we're gonna even look particularly at how the early church viewed these battlegrounds in terms of the organization of them, which is something we need to understand because we're in a much bigger battle. He prayed that we'd have endurance and patience. He prayed that we would give joyful thanks to the Father. I'm always amazed because the early church suffered so much that in their suffering, they always were thankful. And, and I look at us as Christians and go, I mean, I don't know about you. I can complain about things. I find things that are not good. It's really easy to be disheartened about things you don't like. But the way of God is this way of gratitude for anything he's given us. And in the midst of disparity, it offers great hope. A posture of gratefulness is a posture that moves us into the presence of God. I love that Paul prays this for us, that he prays these things will happen in our lives. And then he kind of seals it up with telling us we're qualified. We're qualified to share in the inheritance of God's holy people in the kingdom of light. In other words, God made us to be people through what he's done that move from darkness to light. But there's so much more. And it leads us again to where he started, where I started us with, he ends, that he's rescued us from a dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has called us to be his people, but he's called us to some great adventure and battle. Not just a quiet life, not just an easy life, not just a comfortable life, 
but a life of purpose and mission and calling. You and I get to live Star Wars. We don't have to watch it. Come on. Isn't that awesome? God has something so much more for us. We just have to remember that our greatest power and our greatest battle is on our knees. God wants to give us power on our knees. You know, we gave out Frank lists and had you pray for people that are far from God over Christmas and had you pray to invite them, which is wonderful and we do that and we want to. You realize that we're also praying that God would reveal himself in the battle of their lives. Do you know one of the prayers of the early church was that people's eyes would be opened to see the darkness they're in that they would want the light Jesus has. Do you know what it's like for us to begin to battle for people like that? Do you know that God's calling us to battle in the circumstances around us? In our own struggles, God's calling us to get on our knees in battle. In the people around us that we long for and want to see change in, God's calling us to get on our knees. In the circumstances that you and I don't even have any authority in or any say in, but everyone comments on everywhere, God's calling us to our knees. This fall, uh, as this, I found this, this phrase, just desperate dependence kept welling up inside of me that I need God, I need God, I need God, and a call to praying differently and how, how we just, this whole idea of 21 days aligned up for us to do this as a church. I started just making a list of things that I know I can't change. And some of them are things in my own environment. Some of those are my own context, my own friendships and family. Some of those are in the life of the church. Some of those are in the midst of the climate and the culture we live in and the nation we live in. And I thought, what, why am I not getting on my knees in a surrendered way, asking God to move. Not God is a genie where I'm telling him what to do, but God's power moving from darkness to light. And I just go, what would happen in 21 days if we just committed for three weeks to do this together? All of us got mobilized and prayed in ways we'd never prayed for, just took some step forward in how we pray. Do you think heaven and earth might move? Okay, I'm gonna ask it again. Do you think heaven and earth might move? I want you to begin to imagine what it would look like if heaven and earth started to move. 21 days. And please don't think I'm, I'm, it's it's deceptive. I'm starting you there, but I'm trusting it'll move past that. But we want to start going, let's infuse this as we begin the year. Let's look at our year differently. Let's look at our lives differently. Over 21 simple days, we're starting today and saying, God, we're gonna commit to pursue you in a new way. We're going into Jedi training. We're not yielding or wielding a little lightsaber. We're getting on our knees and calling on the power of God to change the world. That'll preach, by the way. I wanna just give you some simple steps to take from today. The first one is that we've, we have a prayer guide. Um, it, it's Chris Hodges and Church of the Highlands that they've actually initiated this 21 days of prayer. They do it every year at the beginning of the year with their church, but they developed a prayer guide and make it available to anyone who wants it in any church. So on our site, allshores.org slash 21, you can download this prayer guide. I wanna explain it just briefly because 
what it is, is it's, it's kind of like a guidebook. It's a journal. It's a way to figure out to do this. So there's some initial pages that just give you some ideas of the meaning of prayer, of what you can do in it. Then they give you different ways to pray, different models. So there's a section on praying the Lord's Prayer, but it walks you through it. It doesn't just say pray it. It gives you ideas and thoughts and really great handles on how do I do this? How do I learn to get on my needs? It takes the very picture of the temple that they had in Jerusalem and lets you use it as a visual to pray differently. It gives you patterns from scripture like I gave you today of when you can pray and different things you can do. And there's several other models in there, just ways to go, we're not asking you to now just go figure out and pray, but why don't you get that guidebook and start saying, I'm going to commit each day to praying some way of some portion of this and see what God does to teach you over these 21 days. It's a great tool and we really think it'll be helpful to you. Let me give you a second one. We've decided as a team that we need to prioritize this. And I think in the years ahead, we'll make different times that we decided Monday through Thursday during the week that is our week, we will pray from 12 to 1 here at this campus. Now, Tuesday this week, we're going to be in Muskegon. And in three weeks, we'll be in Coopersville. There were times we could at least make a bit of that available. But Monday from 12 to 1, if you have a break, Monday through Thursday, anytime you join us from 12 to 1. During that time, what we'll do is we'll have a little bit of time in worship. We'll do a very short teaching and training, and then we'll give you a big extended time on your own to pray. And then at the very end, we'll just come together and wrap up with a little bit of prayer together. Boy, it would be awesome to have you join us if you're able to for that. as just another step, another opportunity. For others of you that you go, I can't do that. I don't have the time. We have a prayer room here that's all open all day, back in the lobby and out to my left here, out to your left as we go out. And so we want to make that available to you. We would love for you to be learning and growing on your own in this. We actually, right now, media is a, is a feature that we have and make available to all of you. That's through our website. If you go on there, our team has actually put together some prayer trainings on there. You can go and look at those. Great helps to you. We also want to invite you somewhere in this 21 days to sign up to take a day to fast, to pray and fast. And I want to explain it briefly this way. Fasting is a lost art in the Christian church. We have forgotten about it. Yet Jesus was very clear when you fast, not if you fast, just like when you pray, not if you pray. And I want to clarify for you, there is a power in fasting, something God gives access to us through this discipline that ignites and inspires and kind of moves even further. Like think of it as a turbocharging in the midst of prayer that happens when you fast. And I'll define it to you this way. Fasting has you say to your appetite, no. Adam and Eve sit in the garden through their appetites. Fasting is a way to literally say, I need to turn away from sin. It's not a permanent thing. It's a time where you're saying, I let go of this and I seek the appetite of God because I want him more than anything else. And something happens physically, spiritually, in all ways as we do practice this discipline. So maybe you've never done it. Maybe it's two meals. Maybe it's the whole day, but we would love you to pick a day and sign up so that all 21 days, we have people covering it. Now, we've, we've covered it as a leadership team, but we want you to part with us. When, for you to experience fasting, things happen when you fast. God moves in ways you don't expect. That discipline might be a new step for you somewhere in this 21 days to pick a day and sign up for it. And then simply, the last thing is, on our final day of 21, which will be uh, on the Saturday, the 25th, we will have a time here from 9 to 10 as a finale to all that we've been doing over these 21 days. My invitation to you, my Padawans, <laughs> is to jump in in a new way to prayer.
that what would it be like if we began to find the greatest power and the greatest battle on our knees? Let me pray for us. Lord, I ask, uh, even as we talked before, I ask your knowledge will increase in the body here. The knowledge of who you are, what you invite us to, and who you call us to be. Lord, I ask you'd meet us right now. You'd lead people right now. And Lord, I pray this 21 days will be a season of training for us and growing, a season of pursuit and intimacy. God, you move and you lead where you want to in each life now in your name. Amen.